welcome to Radio Free Will. This is the second of our podcasts, and this is a podcast for sovereign people. Uh, with us today, I'm your host, George McCullough. Anna Savoya is on the controls, and we're back again with Michelle Mockers, artist, activist, and philosopher. But before we start, I um, consider I did a great thing this this week. I re-registered myself as an unaffiliated voter because I am tired. I can no longer affiliate myself with either party in America, Democrats or Republicans. I can't I can't do it anymore. Uh, I'm just so fed up with both sides. I know Anna, you you went unaffiliated and uh, Michelle, I know you've had comments on the two party system in America. Anything to uh, add to that? Well, I have a lot to add, if you want. But I would like to come back a little on our first uh, meeting. We spoke about the war. Okay, so we'll come back to the two-party system in a sec. Yeah, So because, you know, after our meeting, it's several images came back to my mind. You, in some way, put me back uh, some 20 years. I don't even want to say how many years back. But you put me back in that period of life. I was 21 years old in the middle of the war with a group that I had constituted and which was fighting to fight the Germans. And if I can, in fact, symbolize what war is for me, it's just what, with one image of something did happen to me. I took a gun. I put that gun on the forehead of a woman and after a while, I pulled the trigger. I killed one woman. I killed a nice-looking beside that woman, me, the painter, the artist. I started my life as an artist by killing a woman who had been she, had been, she was nice enough to be a nice mother. I killed a woman because it was the woman or my men. I don't want to go into the whole story, but it was that. I had no choice, if you want. Or I was killing that woman, or my 20 men were disappearing in the hands of the Germans. So you do not hesitate. But it's to tell that war is an absolute abomination. It's an abomination because it puts men lower, way lower than any species of animals. And, you know, if I look at the history, the recorded history, which is about 5,000 years, let's say basically 5,000 years, it is 5,000 years of wars and sufferings. And when it's not war, it's people who starve from starvation, who die from whatever it is. Men has never been able to organize as men were. When we talk about war, when we put money into armaments, we are lower than animals. So I am absolutely, absolutely, completely, definitively against any form of war. No form of war is admissible. On any pretext it can be. You cannot kill on the name of uh, whatever, even God. You cannot, you cannot do that. War is really, I repeat myself, an abomination, and we have to put a hand to that. And it's where, it's where we come back to politics, 
Because in fact, what is, when you go in the dictionary, you see that there is an art of politics. Mm -hmm. Which art of politics? The art of politics, once more, have been 5,000 years of war. And if you look, I don't know, the, 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 the last century, the 20th century, and the beginning of this century, it's absolutely full of war where you kill more and more people and more and more civil populations. Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that story because you told us that story after we recorded last week, and um, I wasn't sure if you wanted to mention it. I wanted to ask you about... Uh, I didn't want the, to mention it when we discussed, but after our discussion, I thought of all what we have said, and I believe that it is eventually a, a, a very typical example of what a nice young man... Not, not only that, I wanted to be an artist. An artist is creation. You create nice things, supposedly, when you're an artist. And the only thing that I start my life with is to kill a, not, a, not only a man, a woman. So it, it came back after our discussion. So it's why I talk about that today, to say that really war, once more, I repeat myself, is an abomination. So it sounds like um, you still have, you, f you feel a little guilty about... Um I, I, I don't feel guilty. I feel guilty if you want. Yes, of course. I feel very uncomfortable if you want okay. when I think of it. But once more, I had no choice. It was her or my men. So there was, I could not hesitate if you want. So she was a German spy. She was a German, yeah. And she was a German speaking French as well as I speak French because she had made all her studies in La Sorbonne in Paris. And she was an absolute, an absolute fanatics of, of, of Nazis, of Hitler. She was. How can you explain that? But you know, Hitler, he, he said something. He said, what a gift for leaders that men do not think. <laughs> I can agree with that. Um, he, he was right, saying that. Not, so that was the only person that you killed in the war? I don't, I, yeah, because my job after that, I, I was part of the British mission. The, the British mission asked me to be part, to be work for them. And as soon as I was in the British mission, I had no right to fight. My job was not to fight. My job was to organize the fighting of other people. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, I didn't shoot at anyone, any, any, any time after that, I didn't even touch a gun. So you feel like you're a path, path, pacifist? Oh dear. When I say that, you know, I'm more than a pacifist, when I say, when you look at the history of humanity and that, that art, what is the art of politics? The art of politics is 5,000 years of war. There is few, few years in between of, of peace, but that doesn't last, you know. And why? Why? If you analyze all the reasons why. You win a war, and when you win a war, you create an enemy, a, a deadly enemy of the, the people you have won over. And the only thought is to get back a revenge. And it is non-stop, it's a non-stop like that, you know. Hitler was, was, a, was a revenge of, the, of, of Germany losing the World War I. And the, the, the art of politics, my dear, was to create in Germany, such a state that the, the Republican 
the, the Republican government could not went went bankrupt, and going bankrupt allowed a guy like Hitler to take over. We created the condition of World War Two, and we're creating the conditions for World War Three right now. Of course, come on. But the the problem is that in the beginning you were fighting with stones. You know, now you are fighting with missiles, with atomic bombs that can kill millions of people at once. So it's where, it's where you see humanity does not progress. Humanity has not progressed, absolutely not progressed since the first man. And the first man was an artist, beside that. He's drawn on the, on, the, on the walls of the cave, and as well as any artist of today. So, you know, we have made the demonstration that man we're supposed to be the intelligent species, is the worst species that ever existed. Yeah. Uh, well, I know in America, at least since World War II, if not the whole history of America, there's been a war just about every six months, America's been in a war. It can't, it's never had a time of peace yet. George, look at the budget. Look. America spent more than half its budget in armaments. While you have kids who do not even have a, a pencil in school, when you're obliged, if you want to be really educated, to buy your education. In the richest country, in the supposedly richest country in the world, you are obliged to buy your education. The most extravagant health system, an incredible health system. So what? More than half the budget goes in armaments. And armaments, more or less, have to be used. And you have all the militaries who want to use the, you know, the weapons. So since the beginning, humanity has never been, never been in peace. And, and what do you think that is? You think it's money, lust for violence, wanting to dominate other people, power? You know, there is one guy who said something. He wrote something rather than said something. He said, when I consider the social world around me, what I see is that the rich people, the rich people make all what they can to improve their you know, well-being under the pretext of organizing society. All they do is to advance their interest, and even for that, they, for example, they pay as less as they can, as cheaply as they can, the workers, to the poor people who work, they pay their everything. All that to improve their, their, their well-being, you know. And when that has to be made public, so it becomes made public. The public is the rich and the poor, huh? the poor involved in the, in the society. Huh? And so at, at that point, it becomes a law. They transform it into a law. Don't you think that it's uh, something that can describe today's situation? I do. Well, it was written in 1516 by Thomas More in Utopia. Means that you see since 1516, absolutely Nothing has changed, and that is the art of politics. The art of politics consists at being elected. Then after that, forget it. So what I'm hearing is that politics isn't about change. 
its politics is about keeping the status quo. Exactly, since centuries. What, what, why did Athens, the, 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 the Greek miracle, you know, all of a sudden from nowhere came the people in two centuries. We were able to create poetry, history, uh, painting, sculpting, architecture, everything, Olympic Games, everything two centuries. Why did they collapse? They collapsed because Athens became too demanding on money. It was money, 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 money. So they wanted to ask too many, too much money from the, the, the around, uh, you know, towns that they were supervising, let's say. And they died of that because everybody at, at the end went against them and, they, and they, they collapsed. And it's always the same, same things in the whole history of humanity. I, I call it money, if you want, power, because money gives power. Right. And that's it. And few people are after that, and the others are stupid enough to follow. And why do people put up with it? <laughs> because they, they, because you have some, some, let's say that you have some, some men which are very, very entrepreneur, if you want, very, very decided to take over the power, and they do it. They do it by all their blah, 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 by, you know, they promise the, the, the moon and 25 cents and, and all the others who do not read, who do not, are not educated, they follow. So what do you expect from a citizen today in America who has not been, who has been, let's say, only to elementary school? What do you expect from him to really believe the politics that he is in and to vote? How can you expect guys who are uneducated to be good voters? And that's what happens. Millions yeah. and millions are uneducated and can vote. And what do you got to vote for? Uh, that's the, something the, else. That even the, is something else. To me, each political party is the exact same. Both and, want war. Both support the same things, tax breaks for the wealthy. Yeah, but you know, it's always the, once more, it's always the same, same, same story that goes on. You have a certain number, in America, you have two political parties, and beside that, they manage in such a way that no other party can really have, a, can exist. You know, they make it in such a way, they monopolize, in fact, they monopolize everything. The television, they monopolize everything. So how do you want to create another party inside of the system? The, the American system is not a system. The Constitution, the Constitution is just a political way, a political way of, of, of organizing, if you want, the government. But the, the Constitution doesn't consider for one second when it said the welfare of the people. Not talking of the welfare of the people, there is no welfare of the people. There is just a political machine. And the people elected, and it's where the art of politics is, the art of politics is to belong to that machine. Actually, that's what exists. But beside that, America has no philosophy, political philosophy. The only philosophy, if I can say so, that exists is the free enterprise. But if you, if you are a citizen, your freedom is inside the laws 
that society has come out to tell you you can do this, you can do this, or you cannot do that. So your, your freedom is in, included between laws. Now, freedom of enterprise is the reverse of that. It's the freedom to do whatever you want. In other words, to kill the competition. And it's, it's the legal, the legal, absolutely legal way to kill, to kill the competition. So that's not a, that's not the policy to, 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 to direct a country. It's not at all a policy. It's just, just the, the law of the jungle, the, the, the survival of the fittest. The, okay, the, the, the industrial revolution started in England, eh? in, the, in the 17th century, the beginning of the 17th century. But right away, what did happen is that as they were, you know, manufacturing machines, that were able to manufacture faster and faster all the food, all the needs of the population. So machine needed people with money to buy the machine. So that's how capitalism started. The people with the money bought the machine, put all the workers in condition, and disastrous condition. You know, there is a, a Dr. Grappin who said, for the worker today, to live is not to die because they were packed around the factory and, because, and paid absolutely ridiculous in a dirty life. That is the beginning of free enterprise, my dear. And free enterprise is still the only, if I can say so, the only policy of the United States. There is no, there is no philosophy, no morality, no nothing at all in that. Absolutely not. Well, I always thought that, speaking of the Constitution, it's... It was always written to protect property. The laws were all designed around property and really not about people. Oh, not at all. When the Constitution says the, we, we, the welfare of the people, it's in the, you know, the, we the, the, the people, blah, 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 and the welfare of the people. They never address the welfare of the people. They never address the economic side of, of, of the no, society. No, not at all. Oh, but, they, but they did make uh, a black person two-thirds of a human being or something like that, they, they, were, they described them as property of white landowners. Yeah, because the writers of the Constitution were themselves owners of slaves. Right. So they wanted to protect their old, even their slaves, to keep their slaves, because their slaves were cheap, you know, to produce uh, whatever they wanted to produce. So, so, but we are a little better on that in the fact that uh, supposedly there is no more slave. But the welfare of the people... The Constitution or the capitalists do not care for one second about the welfare of the people. No, not at all. And they really don't really seem to protect the rights either. I've been to many, many protests and stuff like that. And they will not, the police force will not protect the rights of the protesters. But if, God forbid, some window gets smashed or something like that. You have the cops all running around Absolutely. trying to protect the property. And, um, you know, I believe that uh, people are worth more than property. But you know, you know what did happen with, with the, the Industrial Revolution, and which has happened, in fact, is the United States also, is that the people who had the money at that time the main main engine was the steam engine because the steam engine can make all right. any machine running. 
But, but the steam engine were expensive. So finally, only those who could afford to have steam engine were the people with the power. They could do everything they wanted because to pay the, the, what they wanted to, to workers because they had the money to buy the power, the productive power. Now, today you have another danger, which is exactly the same thing, worse. Worse, because I think I, I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, because it does not address only the material. The, the, the steam engine was addressing the material life of people. The next danger, which is already in a, in a reality, addresses not only the material life of people, but the intellectual life of people. And you know what I want to, to, to talk about, artificial intelligence and robots. Just imagine, my dear, that artificial intelligence is in the hands of a small group. Oh, they could they dominate everything. And you will be, a, a, maybe not a slave like in the, in the 17th century, but an intellectual slave, because they will own absolutely everything, all the televisions, all the radio, all whatever you want, and you will be all, every day, every minute of your life, brainwashed. Already, the, you know very well that the government can know at every second where you are, with your telephone, with your car, with whatever. They can follow you, every, everything. They can know where you sleep and no, what you eat. Where you buy. And what you eat and <laughs> what you eat. But imagine, imagine that the artificial intelligence and robots are in the hands of a small group. And that's the, end of, that's the end of it, my dear. They'll do what they want. And, and you will have no power at the time because you could eventually, why, you know, it's very nice. Why Marx, Karl Marx, why communism? Capitalists created communism. Created communism because when Marx said, hey, workers, we should revolt and, you know, we cannot accept the, the way they treat us, hey, all the workers were following more or less. The capitalists created the communism. But the capitalism has no way to answer on an intellectual way, if you want. So the only answer of capitalism against communism was guns, as usual. Violence. Because, yeah, because you know the, the, the strongest is the one who is always right. So if you are stronger with guns than the communist, then you are better than the communist. But capitalism has never been able to answer, intellectually speaking, to communism. Never. So they just fight with guns. So, yeah, but so the same thing, exactly the same thing can happen with artificial intelligence, but artificial intelligence is much more dangerous because it can penetrate in your house, in your mind, when eventually the steam engine could not. But those can. So you imagine what it could be if those instruments were in the hands of a small group. That would be the end of humanity, my dear. As we know it. Oh, they're they're going to have drones up in the air instead of the police force. And if they see you getting out of line, boom, you get no no trial, no jury, nothing. You just get wiped out. Just like what's happening in the Middle East, but it's probably, it's probably going to happen here. So that's the future if we do not react. If you do, if you... You know, humanity has always behaved the same, same way once more since, since the cave people. And yet the cave people were more or less very 
pacific because they had no enemy, close enemy. As soon as you create groups, I don't know why, as soon as you create groups, they start to be, to, to, to be fight. For territory, for this, for that, start to be fight. And when the territory becomes a nation, it's fight between nations. And since well, the what beginning... What happens when it, there's no nation? There's a one world government. Couldn't that be potentially good? Yes, with the condition that uh, the world government should have be organized in such a way that it cannot be taken over. You know, if you just make a government, government with no philosophy to support that government, and eventually a world government, if the whole world agrees on, on a philosophical form, that that's possible. Otherwise, a world government can always disappear, can always be taken over by, uh, you know, uh, another Hitler or people like that. The, the, it's, it's not a world government that, that would be the reality. I believe it's a world community which is something else. Just that change in word makes a lot of... Um, it just makes it a lot more positive. Yeah. Um, and we're moving towards a one-world government. You can see it just about every day. We're not just inching towards it. We're moving headlong right into it. Yeah, it's, but it's, with a lot of conflicts. A lot, a lot of conflicts, my dear. Well, Everything is just an object of conflict. When it's not material, when, it, when it's not material, it's intellectual or it's even spiritual. Look how many wars of religious, religi war for religions, killing each other in the name of God. Like if God was creating man with a sword in his hands. Come on, through all the centuries, when you follow that, you have, you have a fantastic amount of, of wars of just religion. Intolerance is one of the main, main wrong things of men, if you want. You do not tolerate the religion of other people. You do not tolerate that. You have to kill them in the name of God. To torture them. To, when you look at the history of the, of the, of the wars of religion, it's, it's, it's absolutely disgusting. Not talking about the, the, the regular war. So one of the big, big things that, that eventually has to be overcome if you want to create a, eventually a, a world community is precisely to be very tolerant. To tolerate the other and the belief of others. Now, when they use religion as, a, as war, are they just use, manipulating people to fight in the name of God? Is it really about religion, or is it really about power and conquest? Well, it's about both, my dear. <laughs> it's about both. I believe that as soon as you manipulate a sword, it becomes a question of imposing your will and eventually of conquest. You, you have, uh, uh, I don't want to go into that, that type of subject, but for example, you had papal armies for the, the Catholic, you had uh, Islamic armies which were invading the whole world if they were able to do it. Like if God once more was preaching that you must kill the people, we cannot you cannot convince them with the words, you'll kill them. So that's, that's a little too simple. 
And yet, at the same time, it's an it's a absolute intolerance. You must tolerate. If you want to create a, a world community, you have to establish some rules of tolerance. Otherwise, forget it. It will be again and again and again fight among men. And everybody needs to be represented somehow, and they must feel engaged and in part of their community. Yes, but you know, uh, <laughs> and it's, it's where Marx, who was not a philosopher but came out with, said that the world is full of contradictions. And in that way, if you want, he was right. The world is full of contradictions. But the problem is to know if those contradictions are real contradictions, or only mind contradictions, or if they exist, really exist. And how do you tell the difference? Okay, so Marx for Marx, the, 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 the progress of humanity was to solve those contradictions. And the only way to solve those contradictions is to have the disappearance of one of the two contradictory. The, the, the bourgeoisie is negated, thesis negated by the antithesis, the bourgeoisie is negated by the proletariat. Now you have the synthesis, which the bourgeoisie disappears to become the synthesis, which will be the classless society. And even, even, even the other side, the other side, our side, reason like that, you know, there is a permanent conflict between labor and capital. And labor and capital are the two things that make that industry can function. Now, labor, capital, I mean, with the always on his side, the police and everything you want, always take over. And it, and it's some way, it's, it's a contradiction, but it's a man-made contradiction. All the contradictions afflicting the man, the, the, the humanity, are man-made contradictions. They do not exist in nature. The, the, the day and the night are not contradictory. They make, a, they make a whole day, they are not contradictory. So you cannot suppress one. If you are on the other side, you cannot say, hey, we suppress it. The labor has to go along, as we said, the capital, because it's the capital which has the power. It's the artificial intelligence which will have the power, my dear. It's exactly the same thing. It's always, always the same thing. Solve the contradiction of the world. But those contradictions do not exist in logic. They exist just because they are man-made contradictions. All the fight of men are man-made reason to fight. Nothing else. But when you talk about um, capital, all that capital, all the wealth from that the one um, percent have, it's all given to them by the proletariat or the 99 percent the resources are just handed over to the one percent um money or labor is just handed over i i can see a world where the 99 percent take take all that back and just run run everything themselves well, that's where uh, I don't know if we have the time to go into uh, all what I... In fact, you know very well that I am an artist. I am a, basically a painter. And 
I spent years to recuperate or to, uh, if you want, reconstitute the process of painting of the old painting of, let's say, the Renaissance. Paintings that today you can see in museum, you would say they have been painted yesterday because they had a way of painting that had been lost, completely lost by modern painters. So I spent several years to reconstitute that process and finally I wrote a book called the, uh, I don't remember the name, oh yeah, 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 The Magnolias of the Emperor of China. Why? Why that title which had nothing to do apparently with the Renaissance in Italy? Because, because the Chinese were practicing oil painting something like 10 centuries before the Occidental painters. So I wrote that book, and I must say very humbly that that book is in the collection of the Library of Congress. But when I finished with that book, another question came through my mind. What is the process of artistic creation? How does it work that in one side you have inspiration, and on the other side, on your table, you have brushes and paints, and you put together a complete abstraction, which is your inspiration, and a complete figuration of figura figurative things, which are your brush and pen. You put those two things together. Apparently, they are not at all of the same size, of the same constitution, but they need each other to become a painting. In other words, it's a dialectic between an abstraction and a, and a figurative thing, if you want. So you can do the same thing with society. You can take all the elements of society and create synthesis. So when you are talking about the 1% over there and the rest of it over there, it's a very, very bad painting. In fact, if you were painting outside of the frame, when you should be in the frame, or you paint 99% of one color, huh? because they, they, they own all the money, and you just have a little piece of nothing for the whole population. So that should not exist, my dear. What should not exist is precisely that fantastic, that fantastic, uh, if you want, uh, I'm sure, ladder or uh, distribution of wealth. Wealth should be limited. And at the same time, no one on earth should die from hunger. You have millions of people who die, literally die from hunger. This is the shame of humanity. So the, a, a balanced society would be a society where there is not too much and there is enough, which is absolutely not the case precisely of free enterprise. Free enterprise is the reverse of that. Right. I always thought they, you know, there always seems to be a push to raise the minimum wage every couple of years and stuff. And rightfully so. I think people's hearts are in the right place. However, I think it's um, it could be more effective if you um, limit the amount of money somebody can make. So exactly. you could never make more than 10 percent of me. You want more money then you raise everybody else up. Yeah, you raise everybody else up, or your over money goes back to the commonwealth. Yeah, I, so taxation. 
Yeah, means no. If you would go uh, taxation, if you go over, uh, let's say a maximum that uh, being fixed as a maximum, all what you make over goes back to the to the Commonwealth. Mm. Not, not not even taxation. Bunk. You know, you know the the, the precisely the, the big 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 problem of of capitalism is that peop some people have way too much, when other people have, don't have enough. It's absolutely unacceptable that, for example, all the kids, future citizens, don't have the same possibility of education. That is absolutely unacceptable. Like it is unacceptable, another thing is the, the, the health system. Come on, that, the, the craziest thing on earth is the American health system. That's absolutely, absolutely insane. So, but at the same time, the armaments have more than half of the budget. So it's where everything is wrong, my dear. I don't even think they could shoot all and blow up all the bombs and everything that they have stockpiled all, already. Oh, no, absolutely not. They, but they it's, couldn't it's, do it. But it's your money, my dear, which is sleeping somewhere in some... Uh, the... the, 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 the the wealth of the people, of the regular people, I mean. So, once more, to come back to that society, a society should be limited in both sides, should be balanced, like a painting is balanced. You know, a painting, it, 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 there is some rules that balance the, the, the painting, otherwise it's not a painting. But, so, not too much and enough. That would be in between the two, which had to be fixed, you know, but it would be in between the two. But it is inadmissible that only a small group of people, because they have all the money, in fact, can do what they want and impose upon you your way of living. So that's where we're at now. And I agree with you that everything's out of balance. How do we get to where we want to go? <laughs> My dear, it's where we have to make, I don't want to use that word because it's a, it's a word which is misused. Because the, 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 the word, a revolution of mind, I don't say a revolution, I am absolutely against any use of any strength. But revolution of mind, what is a revolution in fact? Mechanically speaking is to make a complete, you know, a complete circle. Eh? That's, that's a revolution. That's the revolution that has to be done. And even, you know, I see what even, even Jefferson himself, Jefferson himself was not completely crazy, even if he was owning some slavery, he was not completely crazy when he said that the Constitution should be rewritten by every generation according to its needs. It has never, never been rewritten because it's too, it serves too well those who have the money, so they don't want to rewrite it. We have to rewrite it, my dear, completely. And we have to get rid of a system of it's not a democracy, which has only a two-party system. That's not at all democracy. And there is no democracy at all, once more I repeat myself, when people are not educated enough to know exactly, without any pressure from outside, to think about politics, or to think about their country, to think about economy, to think. No. But to think, you have to be educated. And it is unacceptable that you cannot educate everyone at the same level. 
doesn't mean that people have to be at the same level in life. That, that's also a, a mistake, if you want, of communism and so, uh, socialism. So Everybody at the same level. That's not right, because you have some people who are more intelligent or more artists or more whatever you want or other. You cannot put everybody at the same level, but so you can limit the level. So when you talk about education, you're not just talking about um, arithmetic and reading and writing. You're talking about teaching people critical thinking. Critical thinking, yeah, absolutely. That that's part of philosophy. Philosophy, the arts. Okay, and beside that, beside that, if you want, education should be in such a way that every kid could be, for example, exposed to what is a symphonic orchestra, or what and and in sports is not the American football, come on, which is the most uh, well. Anyway, but it's also to <laughs> watch out. Also, I like football. Also, also to to sell or to fly gliders or to to horse riding. Every every kid should have that. Otherwise, you are not a, a, a thinking citizen. If you have no education, how can you how can you see clearly what what is what? If you have no education, you cannot, and it is anti-democratic. Democracy suppose that the individual is completely developed, suppose a developed individual. It's more a moral thing than a physical thing, democracy. So to have real democracy, and that also would go in the direction of having a balanced society, meaning a society with not too much and not enough, that is possible precisely because the people are not educated and they accept anything that falls on, the, on their heads, they accept it. There are no way to do otherwise. So you believe in democracy? I believe in democracy, but not as, the, as we do it. Democracy, yes, but an de uh, intelligent democracy instead of being a stupid democracy. That would make a difference, my dear. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't know who would be in favor of a stupid democracy, but... but for, actually, we have a stupid democracy. In America, we have a stupid democracy. How would that little black kid, we will never go, we will go to bed tonight, he didn't have enough to eat? How can be a good citizen, thinking citizen, able to to really think what is the nation, what is the economy, what is the politics? How do you want him to, to do that? Well, I know in this democracy, my views have never, ever been represented at all. So I always feel like I'm, I'm shut out all the time. And you are. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, you are. But so... All that does is breed frustration into people when, when their views are not represented. How could it be that in the United States, what it, there's polls that say 80% of people want universal health care, but we don't get it? Of course we don't get it. Why? We don't get it. Why? People want it. Why? They don't have it. I think it's cha-ching. Because we are not a democracy, my dear. Right. We are the democracy of money. We are not a democracy. So you fight against the, the pharmaceutical company which are making a fantastic amount of money away with your diseases. Come on. So you fight against it. So you're a poor guy in your bed, in your, your, in your room, and what can you do against the, the, the big corporation over there? You can do nothing. And when you look at the system, when you really look at the system, it's the most stupid system in the world. You know, it's the only country where I personally, personally, 
have been refused by a doctor, and I was, you know, in bad, bad shape. Uh, let, let me tell you, you know that I had a stroke in uh, uh, 15 years I ago. I remember. That doctor refused to see me because I was not on his, uh, whatever it was. Uh, so I could uh, die on, on, at his door. He didn't care. I could not pay him according with the system that I had. But you had health, well, Medicare, if it was... Yeah, no, I don't remember what it was, but he refused to see me. I could have died in, 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 on his, uh, you know, at his door. He would have not moved. So that is America. So what happened? You... Uh no, I they went took to, you to a hospital, or yeah, no, no, yeah, it, I, I went somewhere else where I've been received and so on and so. But that system, my dear, you you know my French accent eh, that I'm born in France. Eh? In France, when you go to a hospital, here if you go to a hospital, the first thing they ask you, can you pay, or what is your paying system, so we can accept you or we cannot accept you. What did happen to me? They didn't accept me. But in France, you go to a hospital. They never ask you if you can pay. They just say, what are you coming for? Go and see Dr. So-and-so. And Dr. So-and-so say, oh, I need some X-ray, for example. Go and see uh, X-ray so-and-so. Only at the end of it, when you get out of the hospital, even if you spend uh, one month in the hospital, they will tell you, how do you pay? Personal check or social security? And that's it. That's it. Never one question about money, my dear. Never quite a question. Now, here, if you say, of course, you, I was at the point I've been obliged to take the family business for four years. The family business was a printing plant with 30 employees. So when you, you are the printing plant, you have to pay. Here in, here in the U.S. or in France? No, in France. So you, I had to pay, uh, I had to pay a, a, a tax for the social, for the health care, you know, the, the the, the employer pay a tax, and the employee also on his check has to pay for the. So basically, let's say thirty percent of your pay disappears in this and that and free this and free that and uh, uh, for social in security France. Uh, in France. Yeah. No, here I, I talk about that, and the guy say, "Oh, you want me to pay for another one? We will need. I don't need." The doctor. So you want me to pay for the other one? We need the doctor? My dear, that is solidarity. And then plus, you never know if he will, if that guy himself will well, need it. he's going to need it at some point <laughs> at in his some life. Point. Plus that, that complete, you know, what is society? Society is people who are grouped together and which are interdependent. That's the real society. That's the definition of society, Interdependent people. Now, what is society today? It's competitive people. You don't care about the neighbor. If, if you are stronger than the neighbor, he can go and jump in the lake. You make your money, you make everything you want. So, in other words, we have transformed the, the concept of society, which is people together, a group of people, into fighting people against each other. And it, we fight for absolutely everything, including so I don't want to pay a tax, a regular tax on health care because I am not sick and I don't want to pay for the guys who are sick. But he, I don't understand that argument because people are paying for their own health care 
from an insurance company, which is the exact same thing. Yeah, no, no, exactly. But I say, well, I say we could have a system where everybody pays, you know, like in France, for example. And this, the, the guy refused it because he said, I don't want to pay for, for everybody else than myself. But he's doing it with, when he buys health insurance. Yeah, but he doesn't think so far. He doesn't think so far, you know. It's ridiculous because you, and not only are you paying for everyone like you described, but you're also paying for a huge profit for somebody. Because you know the profits of the healthcare executives. What look for leaders that people do not think. Yeah. Huh? People yeah. do not think. You cannot, you know, basically, basically, what is said, you can ask 100 people. Basically, you can say, to be president of the United States, you have to be born in the United States. Ask anybody. I have a feeling we're going to be educated here. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to be born in the United States. I'm sure we go in the street and we ask the question. And everybody will tell you to become president, you have to be born an American. You have never read the Constitution. There is a little comma. Or if you are an American citizen. And how are you an American citizen? Precisely if you have been naturalized. And being naturalized means that you have absolutely all the rights of somebody who is born here. And not only you are considered as a native about the time when you are nationalized. In other words, all the people who say you have to be born an American to become president, they have never read the Constitution. Or if they have read the Constitution, they don't understand what they read. But it's all the Constitution people that are saying that you have to be a U.S. citizen. Yeah, it's... Or oh, you, you have born, to be a U.S. citizen. Well, or that's you, what he you, was or just you saying. Are born, you are born, you, if you are born, uh, born American, born in America... Or if you are, that's the exact word of the Constitution, or if you are an American citizen. Don't say you are born in America. You are an American citizen. It's the first line of, the, of the, that paragraph of the Constitution. So you've, you've studied the Constitution. So, yeah, so, so I even say that to a lawyer who say, you sure of what you're saying? <laughs> I say, please read the Constitution. Did you win any money from that argument? You know that, you know, you can take the Constitution, you have to be born in America, or be an American citizen, which is when you are naturalized. So, you know, you know, once more, how do you want, how do you want that little kid who practically has the minimum of education, how do you want him to be a good voting citizen? No way. So, in America, I should say, at least half of the people do not vote. Half of the people do not vote. I've often thought about not voting because I, it generally frustrates me a lot. Most of the time, I have no idea who's on there, and I consider myself fairly well-read. But I generally go down and vote because usually there's some kind of question on the ballot. And that's where I feel like um, I want to I be able to have my say. And, you know, there will be some, something on the ballot like 
should we raise taxes so much money to purchase blah blah blah? Yeah, and but you, George, I'm sorry I interrupt you. It's where it's where America has no program. It's a day to day, you know, machine that goes on. Only the political machine is very, very in every detail of the political machine. How you do you elect so and so? How you do the, 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 the. that's perfect. So as you said, they can stay, you can stay forever. You know, you can people in, uh, I don't know who are since thirty years of almost elected for life the 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 the, 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 the high court. So. If you are elected for life, you don't have even the right to change your mind about something. Come on, that, that's uh, come on. But they keep that because that protects all their privileges. Today. The Constitution protects all the the the, the wealth and everything of the people who have wealth. But once more, doesn't care at all about the welfare of people. Has no solution. Offers absolutely no solution. No ideas on how to. Uh, because once more, they have no philosophy, no philosophy at all. At least you wrong, if you want, the, the communist has a philosophy. They have a philosophy. The, the, the capitalist doesn't even have that. They just have the free enterprise as a philosophy, which is not once more anti-philosophical, the free enterprise. So that's where we are living on, on that. We are living on that with people who are uneducated, not even able to read the constitution. So where, where are we going? Well, I don't want to uh, leave people with this cliffhanger, but uh, <laughs> we are running out of time. Um, we've gone about an hour here, and um, we're, hopefully you'll come back and uh, we'll get more into it. I feel like this podcast has been a little bit all over the place, but... It, it's a learning process, right? Yeah. Anna was real quiet today, so uh, hopefully she'll get more involved as we go along. So I maybe I have to, to, to come out with some ideas. I said that I wrote the, the, the How You Paint and I wrote the, the Dialectic of the Arts. Now, the Dialectic of the Arts can be applied to politics, and that right. eventually we can talk about We're going to talk about that because we don't... We are positive people here. At least we yes, like to think that we're positive people. We're just saying negatives. We, we <laughs> say a lot of negatives. Yeah. But, but, I mean, I don't think you could um, live as long as you have and, and have the spirit that you have without being a very positive person. Yeah, you know, to look at what goes wrong, uh, you have to be positive. Otherwise, you accept it. I but to propose some positive, you have to know against what you are dealing. So that's what we, we did today, in fact. Now, the next, the next thing would be to be more positive and come out with solutions, our solutions, our proposal of solutions. All right. So if folks listen to us next week, we're going to get into the art of the dialectic. Yes. And... Uh, so join us next week. This has been Radio Free Will. I'm your host, George McCullough. With us today was Michelle Mockers and on the controls, Anna Savoya. Um, see you next week.